So glad to get to speak with you guys today. Uh, like Matt said, there is a transition happening for me. And this has been a really hard week, for I think, for everybody. We got the time change. Tomorrow, full moon. Friday, the 13th. Don't forget to wash your hands either, people. Please. I, I was in the airport this week, and I have never seen the sight that I saw. Women, you have not seen this before, but in the men's restroom, I have never seen men so ferociously washing their hands. Every sink was taken. There's a secret. Guys aren't very good at hygiene, and I don't know what this is doing to our society, but at least guys' hands are finally clean. So we thank you, men, for your uh, contribution to keeping us all safe. But like Matt said, this is just a different Sunday for us as we... He wanted me to just tell my story of what God's done and just how we've been in this transition of life and what God's been doing and really what, uh, how Valley has played a massive part in that. And so, uh, like Matt said, we've been in, the, in doing college ministry for the last five years in Boulder. We moved here in 2014, and God did some awesome things. I'll tell you more about that. I'm going to share in our story a little bit later of what God did in Boulder. And as we've moved uh, to Denver, we're so excited about what God is doing with 18 to 35-year-olds in Denver. Molly and I, this last couple months, have just been praying. We've been asking God to, to reveal uh, just where the need is and how we can play a role in seeing people know Jesus and be discipled. And it's been unbelievable to see the response. Denver, actually, the city is where we're, where we're really passionate about. But in the city of Denver, I don't know if you guys know this. There is one church for every 33,000 people. That's one evangelical church. So one evangelical church for every 33,000 people in the city. So the reason for that is most churches have to, they move out, of, out into the suburbs. And what is happening in Denver, if you've been to Denver recently, if you go to the actual city, everyone is younger than me. That's the 55% of the population is between 18 to 35. And the population of Denver, about 1% to 2% would call themselves Christians or are involved in any sort of Christian ministry. They, they might say they're Christian as far as if they mark themselves, but as far as following Jesus, they're about 1% to 2%. So our heart has been broken for this, and that's why God has called uh, Molly and I to just take a step of faith, move there, and ask God to do something. And what's been awesome is he has been doing something. We've been meeting people, and it's like, I don't get it, but it's just of the Lord. It seems like every single person that Molly and I meet that is in that age group wants to know about God. And we're like, this is strange. I literally just think it's the favor of God that we're, we're experiencing right now. But, but Molly and I have both seen people very hungry, interested in Jesus. We've seen a couple people put their faith in Christ. We have multiple people that want to be discipled and be a part of a church. And so as we felt this tension and as it's been growing, we felt more and more the need that we need to start a community in Denver to really feed these people's souls. And so Molly and I will, again, like Matt said, we're going to be taking some time where we're we're, you'll see less of us, and we're going to be focused on those people in Denver, and we're partnering along another awesome church that Matt and I are connected with uh, that we're going to be using as kind of a hub in Denver to start really developing a disciple-making community there. So all that to say is I'm excited about it, but I'm sad as all transitions are, and so I'm try I will try not to be emotional today. But if you've ever heard me preach, that's impossible. So 
Uh, I'm going to talk about today spiritual multiplication. This is one of my favorite topics in all of the Bible because it was, I think, God's original plan in Genesis 1, 28. The first commandment, the first thing that was told to man was this. God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it. God's first command, it wasn't a don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. It was be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Why did God want the earth to be filled? The scriptures say that it was for his glory, that he created us for his glory, that, that the earth might be filled with his glory. And that was the first call to humans was to be worshipers of him, to fill the earth with his glory. And, you know, I never really experienced what the love for kids until I had my own kid. So most people, especially, I don't maybe it's guys, I just, when I saw a baby, it didn't really do anything for me, if I'm honest with you. Before I was a parent, I was just like, oh, it's a baby. But when you have your first baby, I had my first baby Nine years ago, you can throw up the picture of Selah. There's Selah at nine. There was her nine years ago. When we had our first baby, I was excited. I was really nervous that Selah was going to come into the, earth, into the world. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to be a parent. I'm 25 years old. I can barely brush my teeth every day, let alone take care of a child. So how am I going to do this? And I remember when Molly went into labor, all the emotion finally hit me. I go, I'm going to be a dad. And I got so excited. And then the contractions started to come in. I saw, I saw, Mo, I held Molly's hand and she squeezed it really hard. And the doctor said it was time to push. And I was like, it's going to happen. And then at that time, Molly started pushing and Selah's heartbeat just plummeted. And they got really scared. And they were like, okay, you're going to get three more. And then we're going to have to do an emergency C-section. And at that time, I had never prayed more passionately. I was just like, God, please. Just, just let Selah come into the world. And then the next push, Selah came. And I just remember floods of emotion. If, if you know Coldplay, I feel like Coldplay, the music was in my head. Like it's, uh, One of the songs is, tears stream down your face. I think it played magically. I don't know how, but it was playing. Is Selah was born into the world. And I, I remember grabbing her and I go, this is mine. This is my DNA. This is this is." This is my girl. I love her so much. I want her in my life. I care for her. See, there's something inside of us that wants to multiply. There's something inside of us that wants, wants, wants to see this truly happen. And, and, you know, I love my kids. I have three kids. I want to see them succeed. And I love being a dad to them. But the goal of being a parent is not to just keep them in your house. I know there's a lot of millennials that believe that, but the, the role of a parent is not just to keep them in your house. It's to equip them. It's to love them. It's to provide for them. It's to care for them. And then eventually to be sent out. You know, we were not meant to, to never become mature. We were always meant to mature. See, here's the thing I want to tell you tonight, to this morning, is this, is that healthy things mature Mature things multiply. Healthy things mature. Mature things multiply. So you look at a, look at a kid. You're, you're never supposed to just be a kid. You're supposed to mature, and then the goal is to multiply. The same things with a sapling. You, a, a tree is not supposed to just stay a little sapling forever. 
It's going to grow big. It's going to, if it's healthy, it's going to mature. But it's not to stop there. If it stops there, there will be no more trees. It's, it's actually to mature, to multiply, to create an orchard. And this was God's plan throughout the beginning was that we might multiply. We might fill the earth. Did you know that disciples of Jesus Christ are to do this exact same thing? If you are a healthy follower of Christ, you know what happens if you do healthy things? Read the word. You know God deeper and deeper every day. You take the right steps. You become mature. But it's not just for maturity for maturity's sake. Maturity is for multiplication. In Matthew 28, the Great Commission Jesus says, go and make disciples of all the earth. How much of the earth? It's kind of parallels to the Genesis 1.28. Go fill the earth. God's whole plan this whole time has been fill the earth, fill the earth, fill the earth. With what? With disciples. The plan the whole time was that healthy things mature and mature things multiply. The The true thing is about us. Each one of us was created to become healthy followers of jesus healthy disciples that would become mature that eventually would make other healthy mature disciples that was god's plan from the beginning and the same thing is true about each church we could say this healthy churches mature mature churches multiply a mature church doesn't just stay we're about ourselves and that's maturity no It fills the earth. It fills the earth. It launches people out. That's why we have lots of global partners. That's why we're sending me out, not just to stay in here, but we're sending out. See, healthy churches mature, mature churches multiply. Today, I want us just to look really quickly at Paul's heart towards one of his churches. One of the the churches that he, in the Thessalonians, that he, he saw get healthy and eventually mature to multiplication. So I just want us to look at their relationship with one another. So this is what Paul, he's saying this about the church of the Thessalonians. So he's doing, he says this. This is about himself. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children. So Paul's going, just as I, I'm like a nursing mother caring for you. So we cared for youth. Because we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Paul was going to the Thessalonians, we love you like a mother. And we just didn't even share the gospel with you. No, we shared our lives with you. We, we love you so deeply. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and our hardship. How we worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know, Thessalonians, that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Can you feel it? How Paul felt about the Thessalonians, how he felt about these people. He loved them. And there's two illustrations we see there. He loved them like a nursing mother. Again, I didn't have really that much respect when I was young for, for a, new, a new mom. But if you've ever watched, been around a new mom, it is hard 
work. It's like they don't sleep at all. People always complain. I hear moms complain about sleep. They should complain about sleep. They don't sleep at all. I mean, I don't even know how Molly made it all those years with zero sleep. But what drove her? She cared for our kids. She loved them so deeply. She would look into their eyes, and it was almost like she could care less for the, the lack of sleep. Because why? She loved them deeply. And this is Paul's illustration to us, how he loved the church the Thessalonians. And I think it's the illustration that all mature disciples should feel about other people, that they, they should find someone that's younger in their faith, and they should care not just to share the gospel, but what? Their life as well, to love them so much. And then Paul goes on to, to, to go through the idea of a father. And he, he goes, you know, we were a father. We, we dealt with you as his own, own children, and we encouraged, we comforted, we urged you. This is the biggest, one of the biggest joys of my life is being a dad. And when I get to, I got to coach Judah's flag football team this year, and it was so awesome. It was like the best experience I've ever had. And it was really not because we were undefeated, which we were. But other than that, it was <laughs> uh, that I got to encourage him. And you know, I remember Judah, he, he, he was one of the smallest kids on the team, meaning he, he wasn't the best. But I remember when, when he, he got the ball and he ran around the edge and he got about 20 yards and I was just so happy yelling for him. And then I remember another time when he went up the middle carrying the ball, tripped, fell, skinned up his knee and was just crying. And, you know, it was just so, it was amazing as a dad just being able to, to hold him and go, you're going to be okay. I got you. It'll be all right. See, the, the love of a dad, it comforts, it encourages, it urges it even urges, you know what, I see more in you. Don't stop where you're at. I urge you. I want you to do more. This was Paul's relationship with his people in Thessalonica. These were, these were, these were his, this, how he treated them. What I want you to see today is that each one of us are created to mature or to be healthy or to be mature. And how you multiply your life is you have these two things true of who you are. You find someone else, and you love them like a mom, and you encourage, you urge them, you comfort them like a dad. And if you do those two things, you know what happens? It multiplies disciples. Healthy Christians will multiply. So I just want to tell you about my journey and my story in this. So uh, I grew up in church. I grew up going to church when I was four. See, my my. Uh, family had a radical conversion. We weren't in church at all. My brother, when he was two, uh, went into a coma for three days, almost uh, died, and lost a lot of his brain power, and then has had seizures, and uh, really struggles still today. It still lives with my folks, and that radically changed my family. My family had lived for money for themselves, and they go, you know, we're going to be in church. So I grew up sitting right in these rows right here. I was front row sitter, and that was where my parents were. And I, I grew, and I heard the things of God, and, and I, I got familiar with who Jesus was. And I always believed that God was there, but Jesus never grabbed my heart fully. I, I, I wanted him, but he never just totally grabbed it, it felt like, where I passionately was following him. And I, I went into college, and I was just living for myself. I, did, I went to the University of Tulsa. Uh, I was getting a degree in finance, and I really just wanted people to like me. I wanted to be popular, 
and I wanted a girlfriend. Kind of all the true things that most 18-year-olds want. And living for those things did not really satisfy me. And when I was 18, I met a guy named Kevin Little. And Kevin, like, just kind of became a friend to me. He was, I think he was 29 when I met Kevin. He was working at the University of Tulsa for a, a ministry called Stumo. And I met Kevin, and Kevin just loved me. We played basketball together. We played uh, Madden video games together. Like, we just didn't, made friends. And I remember Kevin sitting down with me, and he, one day we were eating a cheeseburger, and he asked me where I was with Jesus. And he shared the gospel with me. And I was like, Kevin, I, I know this. I grew up in church. I'm good. But secretly, in the depths of my heart, I was just miserable inside. I, I was living kind of a double life. I was living for... Uh, the things of this world, the, the boasting of what I see, what I could do, uh, the flesh. And I just remember needing Jesus. And, but I, I just couldn't make any decision to really go all in with Jesus. So I just kind of lived the, the kind of half in, half out lifestyle. And it, freshman year went by, sophomore year, I've, Kevin kept being in my life. And I'm like, who is this guy that loves me so much that would care for me? I didn't know before he was pulling one of these Paul things. He was loving me like a mom and loving me like a dad. I didn't realize it. And and he just shared his life with me. And then finally, I remember in April, I got so tired of my life, my sophomore year, that I was like, I want something different. And I met up with Kevin, and he was like, okay. And he talked about this idea of making disciples, that make disciples that make disciples. I'd never heard it that way, that I could could have an impact. If I would mature in my walk with God, that I could influence others. And it gave me something to live for that I had never lived for before, and it was purpose that was in Jesus Christ. And my life was radically changed. And I look back, and I am so grateful that it all started with one dude, Kevin Little. I haven't talked to Kevin in 10 years almost, so we, we just have lost track of each other, but I will in heaven thank him so much because he radically, radically changed my life from what? Just loving me like, like a mom, loving me like a dad. And so I just got this heart to share my faith. I got this heart to, to, to tell others about Jesus. And for that next few years, I just started telling others about Jesus. And I saw a couple of my friends come to, to know, know Christ. I, I didn't even know how to share my faith. Check this out. I, the first time I ever shared my, my faith, I, I had made this decision in April. And I, I was in Spanish class like a week later. And I was talking to one of my friends. Her name was Ginger. And she was telling me about her life. She's saying, oh, my parents are getting divorced, like, the end of the semester was about ready to happen, and she was just miserable. I had no clue what to do with Ginger. I, I mean, I was just like, I don't even know how to share my faith. I don't know how to lead someone to Christ, but I was like, she needs Jesus. And so I'm walking out of Spanish class. I walk down the stairs, and I, I turn to Ginger, and I go, can I pray for you? That was a big step for me. She's like, yeah. So we went in to, like, off it, around this corner and kind of got in a little alone spot at the University of Tulsa. And I prayed for Ginger. I was not eloquent at all. I don't know what I said. But it just, then, I, you know what? I, she actually transferred that next, uh, that semester. So I didn't see her again. And I was like, huh, just didn't think anything about it. I'll sidetrack for a second because it's kind of cool. Five years later, Ginger calls me and she's like, hey, Jason, I wanted to catch back up with you. I'm like, who is this? Ginger Adams? Oh, yeah, Ginger. Okay. She's like, yeah, I, do you remember praying for me that day? I'm like, yeah, I remember that. She's like, 
Well, I went home that next week after semester ended, and I was just bawling my eyes out. And I remember you praying for me, and it was Sunday, and I pulled into this church, and I, I parked my car, and I just bawled. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to walk into that church. So she walks into the church. She sits on the back row, and she's like, I didn't know anyone. She's like, but they love me. And I'm married to the pastor's son now. <laughs> and I just want to thank you. I'm like, I did nothing. But I believe that if I would just take a step of faith, if I'd be bold, that God would do something. And I, in those moments over my life, God has just continued to be faithful and faithful and faithful. So I was graduating my senior year of college. Molly and I were uh, dating at the time. And... I had a degree in finance, was to take over my dad's business. That was the path that was laid out for me. It was a successful business. I, I knew that would be good. And I started praying, and I got an opportunity that God called me in to do ministry. And I remember just feeling this unbelievable heart in my, this, this passion in my heart that, you know what, I want to make disciples with my life. So I started praying about it, and Kevin actually recruited me to come on his team to the University of Tulsa, and we had just started this ministry, Stumo, when I had first got there, and we had seen some growth, some people come to Christ, and we just, I go, you know what, I'm going to do that, and, and I made the decision to, to not go into corporate America and to go raise financial support and go, I'm going to go make disciples, and Molly and I had just got engaged th- as soon as I graduated, and uh, she had a huge heart for doing ministry as well. People don't know this. Molly actually has a degree in, in this stuff. She has a degree in Christian ministry. I always joke, I have a degree in finance. I don't know what I'm doing. Molly actually does know what she's doing in Christian ministry. And so we, we uh, got married then in December that following year. And we were just saying, God, will you, will you take us and will you multiply us? Will you, will you just take what we have? We're going to share the gospel faithfully. We're going to love people like like a father and mother, and we just want you to multiply it. We want you to do something with it. And we thought we would be in ministry for a few years and then go into corporate America. Seven years later at the University of Tulsa, we're still there and realizing God had called us to this because he continued to raise up disciples. And we didn't know what we were doing. We were stupid. We were young. We made a lot of mistakes. But God started doing some unbelievable things. And I started seeing friends come to know Jesus. I started seeing people make steps to to start following him. And they would start reading the scriptures. They would start praying. And then they would take the big jump, which I would encourage everybody to take. They would talk to others about Jesus. And that's where the magic happens. Because when they talk to others about Jesus, and they took that big step of faith, you, you don't really see a lot of people come to Christ if you never talk to anybody about Jesus. It's just a little secret. But when you take a step of faith, because all it is is taking a step of faith, being bold, going, I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to bring something up to them. I, God did some awesome things. We saw... Uh, hundreds of people at the University of Tulsa come to know him. And uh, we were praying, my wife and I, Molly, this was in 2012. Uh, I told Molly, oh, we'll be in Tulsa for the next 10 years. Let's buy a a good house and let's stay here. Like two months later, we felt the Lord call us away from that. Never tell God what you're going to do. It's a kiss of death. So it's happened way too many times for me. So we told God we'd be there. And he's like, no, you're not. And we we actually were in town in Colorado visiting Molly's parents, and, and there was just this stirring as we were in uh, Colorado. Molly grew up in Breckenridge, or went to high school in Breckenridge, and her parents were living up there. And we were up there, and we came down to Boulder for the day, and 
prayed and just hung out together, walked around Pearl Street. And we were just like, you know what? Maybe God's calling us to launch another ministry. And that next two years, we started praying about it. And the Lord just opened the doors and called us to start this college ministry from Tulsa, Oklahoma, Stumo, and come to Colorado and be the first Stumo launch in Colorado. So we knew that we were supposed to do that. Uh, We came about nine months before we were to move, and we got to pick any school we wanted to go to. And so the list was School of Mines, University of Denver, Colorado State, Northern Colorado, or CU. Can you, I'll tell you what of those five was last on our list. I know most of what you guys are thinking. Greeley. Nope. Greeley wasn't even last on our list. That's how much we did not want to go to CU Boulder. Because we knew CU's, like, it's history, it's background. We're like, we can't go there. Like, that, that, we were told multiple times that's where ministries and people go to die. And Molly going to high school, like, Boulder's a bunch of crazy crazy hippies that all they do is smoke weed and so we were like we're not going there so we went to all these campuses prayed over each campus and boulder was our last one to go to and i'm like molly we're driving down 36 i'm like why are we even going to see you we know we're not going here and i don't know what it was that didn't make me turn around like i remember going past uh the superior exit and going we should just turn around why are we going down this and so we go down 36 we park in the C4C, uh, which is the, like the student center there. We park there, and we just start walking campus. We start talking to people. We start going into fraternity houses, sorority houses Molly went into. We started just praying. And I have not had the Lord really speak to me as strongly as he did, but that day was one of those days where he just pulled my heart to Boulder. He pulled Molly's heart to Boulder. We looked at each other after two hours of walking around saying we didn't want to be there. And he was like, you're going to be here. And so we sold our house in Oklahoma, and we moved to Boulder, Colorado, not knowing anyone uh, other than Molly's parents that then at that time had moved and lived in Castle Rock. And we brought a team of six of us, and we just started praying for that campus that God would do what he did again. That we didn't know how it would happen, but he'd do something miraculous. And so we just started knocking on doors, walking around, meeting college students, and praying. And you know what? Molly and I, we were just like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to love. We're going to love like a mom. We're going to love like a dad. We're going to open our house up. We're going to have people over all the time. I, I ate so many cafeteria meals at CU that it, would, it made me sick going to that cafeteria. Because every, like, Mondays are the same, Tuesdays are the same, Wednesdays are the same. I've eaten so, hundreds and hundreds of meals in that cafeteria. But why? Because I love those students. And what God did in, those, in the last uh, five years at CU is he just created an awesome, awesome group of people. And we got to see a couple hundred people come to Christ. We got to see disciples made. Uh, one of our, the girls that Molly led to Christ is actually uh, in India as a long-term missionary. She uh, came to Christ as a sophomore in college. She's the president of her sorority. She was going to go be a doctor Uh, She had a 4.0, and she gave all that up to go be a long-term missionary. It's crazy. How do things like that happen? Healthy things mature. Mature things will multiply. And we were just asking God, will you multiply our works at CU? Will you do something great on this campus? And as we were praying about it, uh, God, I think, stirred in my heart I had moved to CU, 
And for the last two years, or I'd been here two years, and we had started seeing some things happen on campus, he was really stirring my heart back to this verse in First Thess, that, that I would have a spiritual father and mother in my life. I started praying for that. I go, God, will you just give me someone that will love me? Because when I walk into a church, a lot of people just want things of me. They want, want me to preach, or, or they want, really what, they don't really want me to preach because I'm not that great. Really, all they want me to do is bring our 100 college students to their church so their church can have college students. That's really the, the main thing. So no one's pure when I walk in. It's like, oh, be a part of our life. So, that, so the summer after living here two years, I randomly came into this, no, it was April. I came into this building. I walked through those doors, and it wasn't for Valley Community Church. It was a prayer meeting. And I remember sitting in this prayer meeting. It was a bunch of pastors in the area. And to be honest, it was a terrible prayer meeting. I was bored out of my mind. I mean, people, it, instead of praying, people were just talking. It was one of those things. I'm like, can we just pray? But there was this one guy I, I overheard. And he started talking about disciples making disciples. I'm like, huh, I don't hear that frequently. And I, I, I went up and I just started talking to him. And I remember right outside there, I, I introduced myself and I go, Hey, I'm Jason Soderstrom. And he goes, oh, I'm Matt Olson. Cool. Hey, Matt. And then, then this, this guy came that was cleaning everything up, a little squirrely guy, I don't know, named Paul Ice. He came in and introduced himself. Got you back for the year. <laughs> and I met Paul, and I'm like, oh, cool. Wasn't thinking about changing churches. Wasn't thinking about uh, how I needed to uh, mentor in my life. And at that time, I, I just... I just kind of put it away. I didn't think about it. I actually left for the summer for a discipleship training thing. And God quickened my heart when I came back in July. You need to meet with that guy. You need to meet with Matt. Okay? So I called it, or I think I texted him like, hey, you want to get coffee? I got coffee at the Starbucks over there off 287 and uh, Boulder Road. First time with Matt. Uh, Yeah, it was coffee right there. And I remember getting coffee with Matt and Matt and I just connecting. And I was just blown away. Like, this guy is the real deal. There's very few people that are just the leader quality that Matt Olson is and have the humility of Matt Olson. And I go, man, I, I remember calling him all ago. This guy's phenomenal. Like, I don't know who this guy is. So for the, we kept meeting up together over the summer, and actually, I, uh, he never once recruited me to his church, which is weird. Everyone recruits me to their church because they want the college students there. And it's not because of me. They want the college students. He didn't recruit me. Huh. And so I just kind of kept hanging out with him. And I realized if I keep hanging out with this guy, he's going to influence me like a dad. I want to hang out with him more. So I started, just kept meeting with him. And then one day I was like, Molly, you know what? We should go over to, we should go over to this church. We're living just like a mile from here. I'm like, let's go check it out. And we came in here and we were like, this is so profound professional the lights were going crazy the haze was coming out i mean there were thousands of people no we came in and for the first time in our church career we felt the love of a dad and the love of a mom it was different it was different than anything we'd ever felt they were like, we got to go back there. Molly was nine months popping pregnant when we came our first time. And it was like a week and a half, and she had Eden. And I, we, I think we'd only come twice. I think we'd come twice. 
And we never, we, we were, we had a huge network in Tulsa, but when we moved here, we knew no one. So we had no friends. We, we had college friends, but we had no older friends that would care for us. We started having meals delivered to our house. And we we're like, what is this church? Like, who are they? Like, what are they doing? They're loving us. And from that point on, Molly and I just, were, we were in. We're like, we're, we were part of this community. There's something special here. It might not be this huge, massive amounts of people and all this production, but we felt something greater, bigger, and more important. The love of God. As we felt the love of God, we were drawn and love, fell in love with this church. And so as we fell in love with this church, we just started serving alongside. I, I was doing full-time ministry in Boulder, so I didn't have a ton of time to to help out here, but we would do our best, and people got to know our kids. People would love us. People helped us on campus do a bunch of events. They uh, loved on students. They cared so much for us, and we just loved our time as we continued to build relationships in this church, and going back to it, why? Because we felt the love of a dad and the love of a mother, and that is exactly what Molly and I needed. It's exactly what we needed. You guys don't even know how we needed that. But if we could have anything, that's exactly what we needed. And then fast forward uh, to the year and a half ago. The year and a half ago, the Lord started stirring my heart. And uh, I asked Molly one day, I go, hey, hey, sweetie, you think I could be a pastor? (laughs) I just preached and she's like, hmm. Maybe, but I'm not doing that. And I'm like, yeah, it seems kind of miserable. Like you get all these terrible emails where people criticize what you say. They are, they're always frustrated with you. You're leading people like, eh, we'll stick with college students. Like that sounds terrible. Like there's nothing I'd want to, I don't, I couldn't do that. Like that's just not who I am. But there was something that day when I said that, that sparked an interest in my head. And I'm like, maybe I just kept kind of going back to it. Maybe Lord, you're calling me to something else. And then uh, last January, uh, I was working with Stumo, and I felt this sense of unsettledness in my heart. And it went back almost to that time, you know, when I said I drove down Highway 36 and God called me. It felt like that all over again. And when that happens, the first thing you think is, oh, no, because <laughs> like, you know something's going to change. And I felt there was something that needed to change for me my family, and my life. And so we just started to pray and ask God, what, what should we do? And then uh, March came about, and the Lord really did some things in my life and some circumstances that I could have never planned. But he basically closed the door on my time with Stumo. And it, I'd been there for 12 years. It was everything I knew. It was my only career, and I felt like it was closing. And I've told people this before. It's always great when God opens doors. Everybody talks about the open doors of God. Oh, the open doors of God. How awesome it is for the open doors of God. Have you ever had God close a door and your hand's in it? It hurts. It was hard. It's painful. It it brought hardship in my life. But it was the greatest thing he's ever done in my life. One of the greatest things. Jesus and Molly, I'll clear those up. Those are greater. Um, But he closes that door. And really, Molly and I, we just prayed. We're like, God, what do you want for us to do? We know that we're not supposed to be here anymore. We know that we're supposed to transition away. We're supposed to, to launch and leave. The, the ministry can go without us. 
what should we do? So I applied to a bunch of jobs, actually. Got a co- I got a couple job offers, unbelievably. Uh, McDonald's is hiring. So <laughs> just kidding. Uh, and I didn't know if I'd want to do ministry anymore. And I prayed a lot about it. And then you know who it, God just started to kind of open my heart. No, I th- Jason, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to make disciples. You're supposed to, and everybody's supposed to make disciples. Uh, you know, I, I can make disciples and work in 50 hours a week in any any company. But he really did stir in my heart. No, that you're supposed to be in full-time ministry. Go back to it. And I didn't want to. But the good news is I had a family to come alongside of me. I had my church family. You know, as our ministry at CU closed down, I realized I'm not there anymore. I don't have any, the college students weren't my friends anymore. The, the ministry, I wasn't, I wasn't a part of it anymore. But you know who came alongside of us? It was my family, the family of God. It's because the church is not a building. The church is the people. So the church came together and loved us and cared for us. And the more we prayed, the more I met with uh, my spiritual dad and mom with Matt and Diane. And they, they invested in me and cared for me. The more we knew that we were supposed to make this jump and to go start a new ministry to reach millennials and Gen Z, and that we should do it through the local church. And originally we thought we might just stay in Boulder and do it, but the Lord continued to draw our hearts to downtown Denver. And I could tell you story after story after story of how God orchestrated that and what he did. But I I just remember that whole time just going, okay, Lord, I'll do what you want. I'll go where you want. But I just want to thank you guys that my family, my life, has been blessed because of you. You might know, not know it. You're like, well, you know, Jason, we haven't talked that much. You being a part of this church, the corporate body of Christ, is a bigger deal than you'll ever realize. I'll look to Valley Community Church. If Valley did not exist, Molly and I would not be in Denver. 100%. There's no way we would have made that jump. There's no way we would be there. So I want to thank you for caring, caring about us. I want to thank you just for loving us to being there exactly when we needed to be there, to helping us get healthy so that we can mature, so that we can multiply. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. We all need dads and moms in our lives. We all need spiritual moms and dads in our lives. And I love what Paul says. So, He talks about this, and I'll close with this. Yeah, I'm going a little long, but Matt does it all the time, so I can do it. (laughs) I'll close with this. So you look at Paul and his heart to the Thessalonians, and he was like, I loved you so much like a mother, and I loved you so much, and I encouraged you like a father. And then we go on just a few verses down, and I want you to look at what he says. In verse 17, he goes, But brothers and sisters... When we are orphaned by being separated from you for a short time in person, but not in thought. See, there is a truth about multiplication. The disciples, they did not die together. They were spread throughout the earth because the goal was to go, to go and make disciples. And so Paul has this feeling. He's writing a letter because he's not there. And he goes, I I want so much for you to see this, guys. Even though we're separated from you. Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. There's this deep heart. There's this deep desire. There's this deep love. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan 
blocked us. He had this passion. He wanted to be with them, but he couldn't. And for us, as we transition out, this is not that Satan's blocking us, but this is in our hearts, and I know it's in your hearts as well, is there's a longing to be together. But for the Great Commission to happen, everyone must go. We must go. And then he goes on to say in verse 19, it says this. Uh, it says, so he's saying this. He goes, what is our hope, our joy, our crown, in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? So stop there. So Paul is going. He's, he's kind of pulled back, and, and he has a self-reflective moment. And he goes, guys, what? To the Thessalonians, he's going, what's going to be our hope? What's going to be our joy? What's going to be our crown when we sit before Jesus? When we bow before him, we take off our crown, we put it before him. What is going to be that when Jesus comes back? What do you think it's going to be? What do you think that Paul's hope? Is it going to be his suffering, his pain, how, how he spread the gospel to the ends of the earth? It's not those things. Just go to the next slide. Is it not you? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. Paul is saying that the Thessalonians will be his hope, his crown, his joy. What he will glory in heaven when he stands before Jesus is not about him. It's about them. It's not about him. It's about them. Isn't this the true heart of any parent? That you, your hope, your desire, your passion would be that they would do greater than you would do. That what am I going to hope someday when I'm 70? That Selah, Judah, and Eden are following Jesus. They're my hope. They're what I, I glory in. You know, what I'm going to glory in heaven someday are the people. It's not the accomplishments. It's not the money. It all burns up. But it's the people. Because you will be with souls in heaven someday. And I think of some guys in heaven with me that I've got to lead to Christ and disciple. Nate, Grant, Max, Chandler, David, Taylor, Winters, Joe. As I think of those guys, those are going to be people that I glory in heaven someday. Those are the people that I've seen come to know faith, that have, the discipleship line has happened. Because at the end of the day, what Paul is so excited about, what he's going to glory in heaven, people making disciples. So as I leave uh, today, I want to challenge and encourage you that that's what this church is doing. Someday when we glory in heaven, it's not going to be because we had really good lights up here on stage. Or even the preaching, we're going to glory in heaven for the people and what God has done through and in us. And I glory in that, and hopefully you, you guys take this. You're our spiritual mother and father. As we launch out, as we go to Denver and we see people come to Christ, that's not just, that's not our work. That's kingdom work, and you're a part of it. Valley is a part of it. Valley is bigger than just this room, these people. It's what God will do through multiplication. So, as I close, I want to just thank you guys. I want to thank Paul and Jill. You guys have meant the world to me. Paul, you've been such a good friend the last 
year, I call Paul randomly just because I need to talk to people because I'm bored. And I like, I don't have any friends that I'm like, I'm like, ah, who's, who's free at two o'clock in the afternoon? Paul. Okay. So I call Paul and he listens to me. We've had an awesome time. I I thank each one of you for loving my family, caring for my kids, for serving my kids. If you've served down uh, in Valley Kids, our kids love coming here. I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for each person that's hugged me, loved us, prayed for us, listened to me ramble on and on. And also, I want to thank uh, Matt and Diane. I love you guys. We would have never been here without your love. You've meant the world to us. We needed a dad. We needed a mom. And that's exactly what you were. So I love you guys. Take a bullet for those people there. So... You guys don't know how lucky you are. There's very few pastors. I've met hundreds of them that have the heart like they do. They could be serving in churches with thousands of people. We are lucky to even get to know them. Hopefully Matt will remember me in heaven when he's up there close to Jesus. So (laughs) thankful for him. As I close, I just want to say I love you guys. We're excited what God's going to do in Denver. We're excited what he's going to do through this church. And this isn't a goodbye. It's, again, it's just the next step in our process. But I want to encourage you that you guys are having an influence and an impact. And Boulder County is a desperate and needy county for Jesus Christ. And this church can have an influence, will have an influence, because it is healthy. It is maturing. And mature things do multiply. 